You're gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's a liar. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch. How can this be for the greater good? Shut it. Cinematic Leap. Hi, and welcome to Cinematic Leap a movie podcast where we apply six degrees of Kevin Bacon-style process to select our next movie. Each week, we will watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, crew member within this pod's movie to choose our next movie. As always, I am joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. Hello there. That's a little creepy. And Glenn Green. <laughs> the greater good. The greater good. <laughs> Gentlemen, how are we? Yeah, good. I'm greater good. All going well? Yes. Yes, it's the end of the term, although when you hear this, it'll be the start of term, probably. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. But yeah, no, it's uh, the school year is over, which is nice. Nice. Well, yes, we are. We're just gearing up for, for Christmas. But yeah, when people hear this, it'll be probably end of Jan, I'd suggest, so... Yeah, hope everyone had a nice Christmas and New Year's. And here's to another good year. And this is our final episode of season one, which is both exciting and sad. Um, yeah, it's been good. 27 episodes we've done. And then it'll be a season wrap-up, so it'll be 28 episodes. <clears throat> well, that's true. There will be a bonus pod. All right, so this week we are doing the movie Hot Fuzz. Michael, this was your final choice of your uh, three movies that you got to choose. It is a 2007 action comedy directed by Edgar Wright. It was written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. Stars Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Jim Broadbent and Timothy Dalton. Had a budget of 12 to 16 million. Made 80.7, which obviously shows it was pretty successful. Uh, received critical acclaim. Critics did love it. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it had an average rating of 7.7 out of 10. Metacritic was 81 out of 100. IMDb was 7.8 out of 10. Michael, you chose this movie. Mm-hmm. You also chose the leaper Rodrigo Bernardo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Old Rodrigo. Well known to everyone, oh, I'm sure. Absolutely prolific uh, visual the systems engineer on many many uh films so yeah yeah and i wish and you really let's be honest you picked him just to get to this movie which you've been talking about for a long time (laughs) i have um and it was one it was uh one of the two movies and interesting the rodrigo could get me to both um uh hot fuzz which is you know this brilliant action comedy and uh beef vendetta Uh, but i thought you know let's end up in a, a lighter sort of film and I'm sure we'll get to Beef Vendetta some other time. Yeah, and both both would have been good options, that's mm. for sure. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, Hot Fuzz, just a, I don't know, I, when I saw it, I loved it, and, you know, I wanted to share that on a podcast. And I think there's some yep. brilliant filmmaking in this, which um, we'll talk about. We will. Glenn, had you seen this before? Yes, I've seen it before. I remember thinking it was all right. Um, glad we yep. didn't go to V for Vendetta because I just don't like the look of that one. Haven't seen it. 
but um, doesn't not my kind of thing. But um, I'm sure I'll have to watch it at some stage. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, I hadn't seen this, so and you talked it up, Michael. So I I went in. Well, I, like I do with usually I do with Glenn's movies, but yours as, as well. Sometimes <laughs> I go in with trepidation with these things, but uh, yes, I'm looking forward to discussing this movie today. That's for sure. Excellent. Uh, now, obviously, there will be spoilers within this, so if you haven't seen the movie, obviously, pause the podcast, go and watch the movie, and then come back to our scintillating review. Michael, over to you for the synopsis. Ooh, trailer first. Ooh, sorry, Michael, throw the trailer. Sergeant Nicholas Angel, expert in hand-to-hand combat, armed response, and high-speed pursuit. He was so good, they reassigned him. Right. You've been making us all look bad. There's one thing you haven't taken into account, and that's what the team is going to make of this. Statistically, Sanford is the safest village in the country. Now, this big city car. Have you ever fired two guns whilst jumping through the air? No. Have you ever fired one gun whilst jumping through the air? No. Must learn. Is it true that there is a place in a man's head that if you shoot it, it will blow up? How to think small. Morning, the swans escape. The swans escape. Can you describe it to me? About two foot tall. Yep. Uh, long, slender neck. That's just going to scare it. But in a place where not much goes on. Watch this. <laughs> Ta-da! A whole lot is about to go down. Three people have died in a week. Accidents happen all the time. What makes you think it was murder? There hasn't been a murder in 20 years. You're saying this wasn't an accident. Not everyone's a murdering psychopath. It's high time you realise that. You and your monkey. Did he mean me or that? Have you ever wondered why the crime rate is so low and yet the accident rate is so high? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm bust this thing wide open. From the guys who watched every action movie ever made and created Shaun of the Dead. You never taken a shortcut before? Is on. Here come the fuzz. You gotta call the fuzz. Gunfights, car chases, and that's what I'm talking about. Hot fuzz. Got a mustache. I know. Yeah, Michael. Over to you for the synopsis. <laughs> Alright, I think Scott. Uh, so our movie starts. The hot fuss starts with uh, Nicholas Angel, you know, powering into the uh, the building, and we see a montage of an extremely dedicated police officer in London's Metropolitan Metropolitan Police Service. Um, he performed his duty so well that he's accused of making his colleagues look bad, uh, which is a hilarious sequence at the start. Uh, as a result, his superiors transfer him to the crime-free Sanford, a village in a rural, rural Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire, I think that's how you say it. Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire, there we go. Um, once there, he immediately arrests a large group of underage drinkers and a drunk driver who turns out to be his partner, Danny Butterman, played by Nick Frost, <laughs> the son of the lo- local police inspector, Frank Butterman, played by Jim Broadbent. 
Um, Danny, a well-meaning but naive police constable, is in awe of his new partner. Angel struggles to adapt to the slow, uneventful pace of the village. Despite clearing up several otherwise unnoticed crimes in short order, including confiscating a naval mine and a large number of unlicensed firearms, Angel soon finds his most pressing concern to be an escaped swan. His attention to the letter of the law also makes him the focus of dislike by some of his co-workers. Angel and Danny eventually bond over drinks at the local pub and action films, Point Break and Bad Boys 2. Well, they don't bond over the films so much because he hasn't seen them. No, the, no. Danny, ha- Danny yes, has. Danny yeah. loves them. Oh, but they, 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 they kind of go to the pub and drink them. Yes, yes. Know, they do. And they, they go and get hammered. Films, yeah. I do like this part where he continues to ask him, so, oh, so have you, have you like, you know, dove and fired your weapon at the same time or have you, you know, rolled on the ground and shot your gun in the air like they do in Point and Break? It's like, and no, always, no, no. No. <laughs> yeah, and I was watching that and I was thinking, oh, are we allowed to leap to a movie that's in this movie but not, like, linked by it? I guess his, his counter is technically in this movie, you know. I don't know. No. Uh, no. <laughs> we do see him on TV. Yeah, so does that he, count? He's Ooh. uncredited, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Stretch. It is a stretch. <laughs> Okay, so a series of gruesome deaths starts rocking the village and are all labelled as accidents. Angel, believing the deaths to be murders, begins to investigate. He attempts to arrest Simon Skinner, played by the marvellous Timothy Dalton, um, the manager of the local Summerfield supermarket. Uh, Under suspicion of murdering the victims due to their involvement in a lucrative property deal, Skinner is able to provide plausible explanations for all the Angel's charges and a videotaping himself working in his supermarket while the murders took place. When Angel returns to his hotel room, he is attacked by a cloak figure. He knocks the attacker unconscious, discovering it's the trolley boy at Skinner's supermarket, sent by Skinner to kill Angel. Yarp. Uh, Yarp. (laughs) Narp. Uh, Angel heads to a nearby castle where he discovers the truth. Skinner, Inspector Butterman, and the Naval Watch Alliance, intent on keeping Sanford's title of, village, uh, title of Village of the Year, have been murdering anyone who they saw as a threat to the village's charming image, and the property deal Angel discovered was actually just a coincidence. Inspector Butterman reveals that his wife committed suicide after the village lost the title many years ago, motivating him to use extreme methods. Angel discovers the bodies of various problem people who the uh, Neighbourhood Watch Alliance disposed of before being cornered and stabbed by Danny, apparently a member of the NWA. So kind of rocketed into the um, the twist here. Um, I was a bit shocked here. I'm going, what? Danny's in on this? No. Mm. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, you know, that turns out nice. I like that. Uh, having tricked the NWA into believing that Angel is dead, Danny drives him to the village limits and releases him, insisting that he knew nothing about their true activities. Danny urges Angel to go back to London, <laughs> reasoning that no one would believe the truth about Stanford. At a motorway service station, Angel sees Point Break and Bad Boys 2 on a nearby DVD rack and is inspired to stop the NWA. Uh, he drives back to town and arms himself with the firearms he confiscated earlier. After Angel meets with Danny in the village, the two begin to dispatch the members of the uh, Neighbourhood Watch Alliance in an increasingly destructive and frantic series of gunfights. <laughs> Confronted by their colleagues, who are quickly persuaded of the truth, Danny uh, and Angel take uh, the battle to the supermarket. 
Skinner and Inspector Butterman flee and are pursued by Angel and Danny to a nearby miniature park. <laughs> um, which we've seen earlier in the, in the movie. Um, there, Angel battles Skinner, who accidentally impales his jaw on the spire oh. of the miniature cathedral. <laughs> um, Inspector Butterman attempts to escape in a car, but it crashes into a tree when the swan uh, angel caught um, and they put him in the, in the car, attacks him from the back seat. Angel's former <laughs> superiors arrive from London, begging him to return, as the crime rate has risen dramatically without him. But Angel chooses to remain in Sanford. Back at the police station, Tom Weaver, the last remaining member of the uh, Neighborhood Watch Alliance, attempts to shoot Angel, but Dunny shields, him, shields Angel and takes the shot. Uh, in the resulting chaos, the confiscated sea mine is triggered and the station is destroyed. The film fast-forwards to one year later, and Angel lays flowers in the grave marked Butterman, and is revealed that Danny has survived and the grave is his mother's. Danny is now a sergeant and Angel the head of the Sanford Police Service, and the two head off to patrol Sanford. The end. That was a very quick synopsis. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> like, very yeah. quick. Yeah. I mean, it gives us more room to talk about other things that happen in there. No, that's true. That's true. All right, so we'll go through the categories. Cast and characters. Glenn. Uh, okay. Um, it's hard to really find a standout, I thought, from the cast and characters. I thought they were all just so really good. Um, I guess my first thing that stood out was Nick Frost acting drunk. He's just great at it, just the way he stumbles around. He was just spot on. <laughs> and I was like, that's the first note I wrote down. And um, I, I, one of my highlights was the uh, police constable, Doris uh, Thatcher, who, I don't know, she's so funny. And almost every line was just a bit, um, you know, she says things like, I could have given you a tour of the police station. I've been around. I've been around the station a few times, and you know all her lines were just like very suggestive of uh, other yes uh, things. <laughs> Hitting some sort of innuendo. Yes. And I, I just yeah. After thinking, oh, this actor's great. This actor's great. I was. I've just. I think it's really the script. I think it's just the writing and the script is just spot on, and the characters just. They just the actors do their job and do a great job of it, and it's easy to do when you have a great script like this. Um, very hard for them to mm. get that wrong, and I just think yeah, they're all stand out, all good, all good. You're not wrong, Glenn. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of times where um, the performances in a movie have been attributed like, "Oh, that was rubbish," but no one is ever going, "Yeah, that script writing was rubbish." It might have actually been yeah. <laughs> the actors doing their best with the material they're given, and. Like you know, they perform it. They go. They they're guided by it. You know, in terms of directors, sometimes you know, directors take, uh, actors take more license. Um, but yeah, sometimes the script is bad, and actors do their best. But they cop the because they're the front of it. They get all the money. They cop all the sort of the shit for how the movie goes. Hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. And I'd agree. I I I hadn't really seen Simon Pegg in a lot of things. I don't think. Obviously, all the Mission Impossible, a lot of the Mission Impossible films, he's in. One of the later ones, and I've always enjoyed his work in that. I haven't seen Shaun of the Dead or the other <clears throat> uh, flavoured Cornetto. The World's End. Uh, I haven't seen that one yet either. So, yeah, I really enjoyed him in this. Um, I thought he was an excellent lead. The, the ability to you know to mix up some really great comedy and and some really good action scenes was excellent. Um, and then you throw in Nick Frost, who's who was a perfect offsider for for this. And, and he, as you said, Glenn. The, the script and I think the beauty about the script is that it brought in this really good solid support cast 
and it just gave them license to be able to they were all engaging it was easy to watch yeah there wouldn't have been a bad performance throughout the movie i don't think um i, I really enjoyed the support cast it's funny though being a big james bond fan seeing timothy dalton as a bad guy now even though he's a little bit darker he's a darker bond um in his series of movies he's the two movies that he did you know to see him as a bad guy he was still always the good guy you know he was still always trying to um you know obviously save the world and all of that sort of stuff so to see him as a bad guy was actually quite interesting I love but it. he still had he still had that presence about him oh, the, the man has a house it's, it's oh yeah it's just that voice yeah. yeah um he's uh he also plays a villain in a tv series called chuck um which i love and he's He's like, you know, Skinner, but even more like, you know, he's a Russian, head of a Russian sort of crime organization. Oh, wow. um, and it's just, I don't know, you just want to taste it. It's delicious. It's like, it's, you know, <laughs> visceral and like, you know, you really believe he's kind of villain. Um, so yeah, and I felt that too. Like, it added just the, the line drops, the like, you know, the, um, it was always just, I don't know, it was like there was an over the topness there. Like he was like, you daring, mm. you, I dare you to catch me. Um, and yeah, it was such high prices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Michael? Um, I like, you know, it's a, I guess this is, we haven't done many English films. Like, um, this is probably one of our first. And you can see that, I guess it's, there's a depth of talent there in England. We see that, like, you know, usually what happens in English productions is there's the same group of actors kind of, you know, like, you know, moving through the various productions, but it was nice to see that, you know, in this film, like, they've just got, like, a lot of a talent, um, mm. which was great. And so, yeah, Simon Pegg um, brings, you know, his acting chops. It's interesting because usually it's a little bit more comedy or losery um, he plays, but this is that serious cop, yeah. which was um, really <clears throat> fun to watch um, and really kind of nails that straight-laced performance. Um, and Nick Frost has been a, you know, they've been a foil against each other for a number of movies so not just the Cornetto trilogy but also like a film called Paul and so they've been working opposite each other quite a while um, so it's always kind of nice to watch and yeah we've talked about Timothy Dalton he's just the best and even um, uh, Inspector Butterman who was that that's um, Jim Broadbent like yeah. he, he does play this and they they selected that role for me he said he wanted to can I be in, you know, I really like Sean O'Dea, can I be in your next film? And so they wrote that role for him and, and yeah, like it was great. They kind of, he's this gentle, you know, sort of man and, you know, delivering the lines gently. And then of course he turns out to be one of the villains. It's like, that was really cool. So yeah, I think you guys are right. Like just a broadly some great performances. You mm. know. It's just an excellent, I thought the support cast was just excellent. I mean, the two the, the two to three leads, like, you know, Dalton, Broadbent, mm. Frost and Pegg were excellent. But the, yeah. the people around them were yeah. able to, you know, deliver on, as you said, Glenn, a really good script mm. and build that small town, which felt quite believable. It was hard to fault the ensemble with that. Absolutely. Mm. Favourite scene... No, Glenn, this, you're shaking your well, head. You can't, you can't find... Think no, of well, this is the same answer. It's like, how do you choose... I mean, I could list out all the things I love, but we'd be here all day. And it's again, it's it's the it's the script, you know. It's just what I, I, I this is what I wrote. What I love about this movie is just the consistent jokes. It just they keep coming, um, but they fit. They're not like jokes I've written in a notebook years ago that just I drop into a movie when I need a joke. It's actually the jokes all fit, and they fit the character, and they fit 
the progress of the story and it just works really well and that's what i love i mean i could list out all the jokes i love but yeah it just it's just so well written and i was thinking why wasn't this you know nominated for any writing awards because i just love this script so much but i think that it's yeah um i think it's a good lesson in writing and for me it's at least for me it's inspiring as well um when it comes to writing and just really good um dialogue especially but the one thing i think the script is let down by is the major plot twist of the the reason behind the killings i just didn't buy it um i mean i know it's a silly comedy and it doesn't matter but that i think okay, that's we'll get we'll get that that's what lets down the script for me but um generally the dialogue and the characters that aspect of the script i just think is just i guess that's my favorite aspect if that's one aspect <laughs> yeah mm. You've sort of combined. You've, you've, you've pretty much combined the two next categories, Glenn. That's all right. You're getting ahead. Stop it. Um, for me, I, my, I, had, I probably had three um, sort of favourite scenes or three parts that I really enjoyed. The transfer scene at the start where, you know, he goes, oh, no, well, I don't agree with this. Yeah. I want to go up to the to the next guy and the next guy just happens to be there. He goes, yeah, no, nah, we're transferring you. Yep, yeah, no, nah, I don't believe this. Yeah, and then Nick, yeah, Nick's sort of saying, um, "Nah, I don't believe this. Nah, I want to go up to the superintendent. The superintendent just happens to be there. Yeah, nah, we're transferring you. <laughs> it's just so consistent this yeah. whole thing, and just the way it's 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 shot and the quick cuts that they do, I thought was just outstanding. That um, other that first ch- sorry, just to cut you off, but that other scene near the start too, where he's uh, his ex girlfriend, and you know she's like. Are you, are you seeing Bob? And she's like, does Bob look like someone I would be going out with? And it's not, you know, it's the other guy. And it's like they look exactly the same because they're all dressed in there. That was really funny. <laughs> that was that was an early standout for me. But then when they just kept coming, I was like, no, I can't pick a favourite. <laughs> I didn't realise that was Kate Blanchett too. Yes. There's another one you probably don't realise. Hmm. Uh, yeah, well, there's Peter, Peter Jackson. Peter, Sir Peter Jackson. Sir was Peter, the, sorry. was the Santa who stabbed... <clears throat> um, Nick. Uh, Simon Peck's hand. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I enjoyed the chase scene where Nick chases the shoplifter, and they're jumping over fences. And you know his partner Nick's basically, uh, oh sorry, no, Nick Frost is basically running through fences, and he's doing flips. And yeah, I, I quite enjoyed that. It was a little bit hammy, but it's it sort of fit in with that with that comedy style, and I think it suits the British comedy. Um, and each of the killing scenes were great. Hmm. Um, which brings me on to, I guess, one of my other aspects. Um, I wonder if the, I'm, you watch this movie and I'm midway through it. I'm going, does this movie actually know what it is? It seems to be like a comedy horror, a horror comedy. Like it feels like the kills are fairly graphic and it, and it feels like a horror film. And then, yeah, obviously some really good comedic um, moments all throughout the movie but then we get to halfway then it turns into like this huge action flick so it's it's weird i don't know if it quite knew what it was at, at different times but i did like the, each of the kills i thought they were really inventive and um yeah quite enjoyable to watch michael favorite scene um well contrary to glenn um i actually really i found that uh, the reveal of the the reasons kind of funny it's like you know because and i guess like all those mysteries and, and you know to touch on your question Scott does it know what it is yeah it was it was just like you know this Agatha Christie type sort of film that kind of blends in you know policing and then the the ridiculousness of like you know various action films 
Um, and so to have that sort of, you know, get to that scene and they kind of go, oh no, we just killed these people because they're, they were like, you know, carnies and they were just wrecking our town. And so not, there's not this kind of weird, complicated, um, you know, plot to, you know, you know, uh, stop property development. It is just fundamentally, we don't like those people in our town, like doing, you know, bringing us down. So we're just going to eliminate them. Um, so I, I thought that twist was amusing and like a different and you know I guess um, if if it kind of lent into the like you know yeah that's you totally got it right now we're gonna end you it probably it wouldn't have kept that comedy chop so um, I'll disagree with you on that one Glenn um, the action sequence as he rides back into town uh, that was a lot of fun like the because it, it, it brings home all those things they've been talking about you know have you you know fired two guns by you know jumping through the air no well he has now have you you know fired your gun into the air like it brings back all those sort of action tropes that they were talking about through you know point break and um bad boys 2 and other stuff and and also is that every every farmer and his wife and his mum has a shotgun and the two people or he has a gun in his town and the two people yeah. where he shoots first when he's like returning is the farmer and his mum so yeah yeah I just, it's just the way they tie they're able to tie back you know a lot of the humour and jokes that they had from the start throughout the rest of the movie which I thought was really clever hmm um I love that there's some really clever montages um which we'll talk about more in a moment and yeah I think like Glenn said the consistent jokes and the way that they do their jokes um it was a lot of fun so I really enjoyed it and the, the miniature village scene is also a, a, a ripper at the end so and like on that um, it's interesting Scott you haven't seen like the other movies um, that fence joke appears in all of them oh okay different variations yeah. so it's actually kind of it's really funny um, and yeah so you see the first one and something happens and you, you know you have your laugh and you see something in this one and you know it's different and then the world's end one has a, a whole different one as well so it's a, yeah really clever Oh, very good. Uh, other aspects that we enjoyed? Glenn, you've sort of yeah. mashed all yours together. All of them. <laughs> so I'll go, Michael. <laughs> well, um, this film is not only like it's it's great as a, like a, as a film, but it's also uh, a great example of good filmmaking in terms, particularly in the comedy, comedy genre. Um, some, some of the best parts of this film are through its editing and the framing and composition. Um, what Edgar Wright and the team quickly brings to the audience with Hot Fuzz is his use of the frame in which we see the movie um, deliver funny jokes. And there's a number of them. Like there's the cake where he, you know, does the cake sort of like coming off the frame. Um, one of my favorite ones are those with the two Andy's frame slide where they're kind of, they're about to leave the frame and then they come back in and they go out. Um, you know, just like the use of like, you know, that sort of camera, to and like the frame that we see to actually deliver jokes and not just kind of banter like you know a lot of you know and we talked about this with Step Brothers. it's basically you know they're kind of yakking at each other like hoping to do something funny um and they you know they cut down to think what works whereas this is actually cleverly thought out you know visual you know jokes that use the mechanisms feel make to actually kind of convey comedy um, and another one, and you know, this is another part of the brilliant part is the around the editing and and character create jokes. Uh, and the best example, as you mentioned, Scott, was that um, actually it was just before, the, you know, it was just after the um, where Nick is being sent to London, 
uh, out to Sanford. Um, and it's the travel montage where we see Nicholas Angel leaving Sanford and we get um, some Ripper sound effect jokes, like, you know, and it's this montage and it shows him leaving um, and it uses stuff to, to say funny things. Like, um, you know, the travel montage gets him to where he needs to go but throws in jokes. That's the best part about it. And, um, you know, he's about to nod off at the train station and then, you know, train you know, the train drops in and wakes him up. It's, yeah, all that stuff, editing around that. Um, direction through this sequence is also maintained, uh, you know, and it's actually the how he always faces, you know, in a particular way or he's looking forward. Um, so, you know, we get the sense that he is leaving London and it quickly shows us Angel's on his way. Um, we also, and there's the Nicholas Angel montage at the start, which begins when we hear the historical police sounds. There's 27 sound effects mixed into that, that opening sequence before we even see a frame. There's like all that sort of. Um, police sounds um, and then we, it starts with that power walk up like that long shot so um, that was nice um, and the the use of montages to highlight quick transitions like you know pour a beer well you can just have someone pour a beer but it uses it's like you know the, the quick pour 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 um, you know and then it's into the next sort of scene like you know they're going into the next part of that scene um, that's really clever um, That's why I did it in my short film before this film came out. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I remember doing that. That was the um, the, the car one. Yeah, in the cars, it yeah, break the yeah, break the, yeah. the, the, the keys. Yeah, quick cuts. And, but, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's really clear. like that, that technique is really good. But I think he's highlighted it really well and uses it until a joke. You know, I think um, there's a juice in there, or we might do a can cranberry juice, like you know, it's beer, 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 cranberry, um, or a lemonade. Um, um, and I guess like you know I could get, keep going on and if you really want to know more about it there's uh, and I learned a lot of this about like there's a video channel they don't make stuff anymore it's called Every Frame of Painting and they do a video on Edgar Wright how to do visual comedy and they've you know it's by Taylor Ramos and Tony Zhu um, and they do a super job highlighting how Edgar Wright's comedy film stands out against lightly edited improv and those talky ones we talk about and you know, it highlights way more clever things that I've talked about. So yeah, yep. there's a uh, there's a few of the really interesting things about this film and Ed Edgar Wright's filmmaking techniques. Yep. What do you guys got? <laughs> no, that's uh, yeah, I've pretty much covered everything. Uh, it's funny though. I having <clears throat> we recently um, or in the Unstoppable podcast, you were talking about how you weren't a fan of Tony Scott's uh, quick cuts, and you actually mentioned this film that you thought that this did it better. Mm -hmm. um, which I'd, I'd, I'd agree to a point. I do like Tony Scott movies and the way he does do his quick cuts, but I do understand um, what you sort of meant. There was probably a little bit more of a point to them in terms of they took us to the next step, not just showed a few really good quick cuts. Um, outside of that, I had not much else. It's just I had good humour throughout, um, which I thought was um, well done. And as Glenn pointed out before, the script, I thought the script was outstanding. Um, questions, queries, tidbits. Glenn, do you have much? Okay, no. Uh, I, I was just, um, yeah, it's hard to have questions in a silly comedy like this um, where we, you know, usually nitpick and find, uh, you know, little questions that don't make sense. For example, you know, they're hiding behind a wooden table getting shot at and bullets would clearly go through the table. Um, and they would get shot at some stage, but you know it's a silly comedy, and it doesn't even matter. You don't even notice because 
it's just a comedy and it's just a gunfight and um that's not yeah so it's not really a question it's just a example of why i don't have that as a question because it's a silly comedy and it's fine um yep. but my one obvious question is why didn't he you know have backup when he come back into town he just walks in on comes in on a horse surely you bring backup he's taken on a whole town <laughs> I mean, but that's the, that's the action. Oh, it's changing oh, the action movies mode. They don't have backup. Yeah, it's like he's the sheriff. Of, too far it's away. like he's the sheriff yeah. of town, you know, yeah. coming back to reclaim it. But anyway, um, my other question that I had about halfway through was I found it odd that there wasn't a love interest in this sort of film. Usually there's a love interest for the main character. And um, I just thought, surely there's a love interest at some stage, but it just never never came along but i think i well it's interesting it's, i read later that, say that Glenn. I, yeah. I read later that um there in the early draft there was a love interest but then they ended up just cutting it and giving all the lines to nick frost um and it worked fine like as that so mm. well it's yeah. sort of like danny danny in some ways was the love interest if you listen to some of the some of the way they were talking and as you said it was rewritten mm. to have danny in as opposed to the love interest some of the some of the lines between the two it's like it's a little bit um, yeah, homoerotic. <laughs> well, it's, it's the bromance, isn't it? Like, yeah. You know, and um, early on, we see that uh, um, Nicholas Angel is just not good at romance because he doesn't know how to switch off. Um, and he drags that peace lily, you know, back all the way to, to Sanford. And that's his, that's the only thing he cares about. So then when it's like, a, you know, it's nice there's not a love interest because it would have detracted but from the bromance that is building like a, a genuine friendship, mm. you know this guy is going to help you switch off um, and maybe live a bit you know, better and you, you're going to actually rub off on him and improve his ability to police you know there's, there's a there's growth from both characters in that sort of sense yeah the only question I really had is wouldn't he have had a bit more respect from the existing police officers considering his record and everything else He's everyone they pretty much take the piss out of him now whether that's just because you know he's a he's a big fish in a very small pond now and they're like mate you've now got to come down to our level sort of thing but yeah I would have thought he'd have a little bit more respect but yeah <laughs> but other than that I had not much else it was yeah pretty I mean look it, yeah there's there's plenty of, there's probably used plenty of questions um, <laughs> around all the shootings and all of that and the guns and all that but it's, as Glenn said it was just a good fun action comedy that kept me entertained so Michael do you have anything? Um, not really. I've never watched it and just gone, oh, I wonder why to do that. Um, yeah, it's, it's always just pretty, I just get it. I've never kind of gone, <laughs> I've got any questions about that. Um, you know, they, they tie up everything and, you know, they, they go, here's, here's the story and they tie it all up at the end. Everyone gets their just, um, everyone gets their just desserts. <laughs> everyone gets their just desserts. Yeah. Uh. I love how they're punished by bringing dessert. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, trivia. Um, oh, sorry, Mo. Did you have anything no, else? No, that's it. No, not at all. I'll throw over to you but for trivia. trivia. Sorry. Excellent. Okay, so um, the uh, this is an anecdote about how awesome Timothy Dirtle is. Like, we need more. Um, but the filming of Angel and Skinner's first meeting at Supermarket was filmed over the course of two days. Uh, conversation was filmed entirely from Timothy Dalton's perspective first. Um, 
the next day, I actually like they were shooting Timothy Dalton. Uh, the next day in the morning, they were to film the conversation with Angel's perspective and close-ups. Um, so, like, I imagine looking back at Angel. Um, Dalton, much to the surprise of the crew, showed up early the next morning, and even though he wasn't going to be on camera um, for that particular portion of the filming, uh, he set off camera in Skinner's chair and played the role so that Simon Pegg would be able, be able to work with him while filming his part as Angel. So Pegg stated it really showed Dalton's professionalism. Yeah. I agree. Like, that's yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah. Um, Nick Frost only agreed to do the film if he could get his na- get to name his character. Uh, he was also asked to watch over 20 action films to warm up the role. He only watched one, Bad Boys 2. <laughs> uh, Edgar Wright originally wanted to name the film Hot Fuzz with two Ts, uh, but Simon Pegg said, nah, I don't have to explain the second T every time I go and do an interview. Um, the judges for Biscuit Village competition near the end of the film were played by Peter Wilde and the mothers of Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. Um, uh, yeah, we talked about the the cameos which Kate Blanchett playing the um the breakup woman that's still some, that's still such a funny scene oh. that whole like you know do I look where I could go then no it's Dave hello there <laughs> um <laughs> um but yeah and like you know obviously Peter Jackson and I guess there's there's quite a few others in there too that we've, we haven't talked about particularly but with roles as um uh Bill Nye um uh, Steve Coogan I think like there's a lot of kind of other little sort of roles which are you know classic comedy actors even the the guy who was um uh pi staker you know he was like you know a well-known um comic actor um when in costume uh nick frost and simon Pegg were often assumed to be uh, police officers many strangers asked them for directions and instead of telling the truth they went along with it they claimed it made them feel powerful <laughs> Um, Samson the dog, uh, who played Sa- uh, Saxon the dog, uh, was not allowed to become a real police dog as he was considered too friendly. Yeah. Um, uh, as the second part of the Cornetto trilogy, the blue rapper makes the appearance of the film. Uh, Nicky Danny is seen eating vanilla flavored ice cream. According to Edgar Wright, the blue represents the police. Um, Shauna did. It's red and strawberry flavored, representing blood and zombies. Uh, and at the world's end. It's green and peppermint with chip, representing science fiction and extraterrestrial elements. Um, and Nick is chasing a shoplifter through the supermarket, which is a great sequence. Um, Danny is reading taglines of the cheap action films in the half-price bin. Police Story 3, Supercop, titled Supercop, Meet the Cop That Can't Be Stopped. When he realises the chase is on, he throws the DVD back into the bag of bin where the viewer sees it led by side a DVD copy of Shaun of the Dead but called Zombies Party, the release title of Shaun of the Dead in certain countries, and the price tag, of, tag covers Simon Pegg's face. So I thought it was nice. Hmm. Um, the names of the townspeople Sanford are almost all words for occupations or activities. Uh, Cooper, Porter, Turner, Shooter, Prosser, Hatcher, Paver, Butcher, Skinner, Fisher, Walker, Thatcher, Weaver, Reaper, Tiller, Reaper, Messenger, uh, Staker, Treacher, uh, Cocker, Blower, Draper, Merchant, Cartwright, Wainwright. All jobs. <laughs> um, the, and this is an interesting one. This is why there's Nick and Andy. Um, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg discovered during their research that a disproportionate number of police officers were named either Nick or Andy. Uh, which led to the characters of names Nicholas Angel and the two Andes. Um, 
and the angel part comes from their uh, music director um, where local papers actually did misspell his name often saying angle um, <laughs> Simon Pegg had weapons training in preparation for his role as Nick Angel and also learned how to skid a pro- bicycle properly uh, he also adopted his um, shotgun and named it Sarah um, Simon Skidder was written for Timothy Dalton in mind so the thrill when he signed on to play the um, character Simon Pegg says that he, uh, that he and Wright shared a thumbs up when Dalton first played the thing and they knew he'd both gotten the uh, person for the part um, I think Dalton goes on to say like you know it was one of the most fun he ever had like working on a film um, here's an interesting police constable Doris Thatcher was so named because prior to equality in the UK police service female officers were all referred to as Doris regardless of their name <laughs> I did read that that's yeah that's a bit weird uh, <clears throat> the greater good the line is never said just once no oh that's what you, the greater good um, <laughs> every time a character says at least one other character repeats it um it was shot in Edgar Wright's hometown of Somerset, uh, which doubled Sanford, and the alley in which Nick Angel pursues the shoplifters is where Wright worked, walked to school and had his first kiss. Uh, during the shootout scene where the angel spots the swan was shot outside the house of uh, one of Wright's friends. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's right. All right, final thoughts and rating. Obviously, we do rate it out of 10, 10 being a wonderful movie. One being a terrible movie and five being somewhere in the middle. Glenn, final thoughts and rating. Okay, so I remember this being an okay movie, you know, entertaining but forgettable. Um, but rewatching it this time, I changed my mind. It's much better. It's much better than that. Um, and I gave it a higher score um, than I thought I would. Um, but the whole motive and people behind everything. Um, just yeah the whole motive and the whole who the killers were for me just didn't make i didn't like that so i knocked a few points off for me but there's just so many great little gags throughout this movie and it is a really fun watch so for me it's an eight out of ten. Eight. no worries it is um, it is that is very good <laughs> yeah oh look i've been tossing up between seven and a half and eight for this now i don't want to be a dick can go 7.75 so I'm going to give it an 8 I looked at some of my <laughs> other ratings and I thought I should really see where I rated some other movies um, <clears throat> I rated Where the Millers an 8 and, and I'd probably put this on par with that two very different movies mind you but two really good enjoyable comedies that kept me entertained made me laugh this one has got a lot more of the action element than what Where the Millers did but um yeah, I'd, as I said, the, the movie confused me a bit at the start. I didn't know where it was going. It had horror, it had comedy, and I'm going, I thought this was an action movie. But um, then we got the really good action sequences at the end. Um, well written, well acted. I think an eight is about right. So I'll agree with you, Glenn, which is rare for us. <laughs> Michael, your last movie? Yeah, I look, I this is, you know as having like you know studied filmmaking and dabbling in it now and then this is a this is a great film um it has some really good like you know it's got great jokes like some funny jokes subtle jokes and overt jokes um has really interesting characters uh you know there's the there's a sequence where the like you know there's the actors and just think oh you you know those sort of people in communities you know um 
and it's just silly, hilarious. Um, it's you know the clever filmmaking in it um, really wins me over a lot too. So like the way it uses like again I talk again the you know how it uses the camera and the frame and mise en scene and, and editing to to you to generate comedy, not just talking. Um, and the I guess like you know the action sequence too like it's it's such a lot of fun I thoroughly enjoy this film uh, like you know I, when I keep watching it I go yeah this is great um, and I love how the mystery unfolds like you know we kind of we're taken on that journey you don't know where it's going and so that's why it's I mean again contrary to Glenn I, I love the surprise and it's like no no these people are just shit we just don't want them in our town so that's why we're killing them um, and I enjoyed that and then like you know going in with that sort of one arm action you know you know one man action hero kind of thing at the end sort of really you know brings it back to that sort of the mm. action thing so um for me this film is like a 9.5 nine like it is it, yeah it's five yeah i love it so an eight and an eight and a 9.5 if my math is correct gives us a score of 25.5 which puts it equal third with interstellar it is slightly better than Gone Girl at 24.5, but not quite as good as The Martian at 26.5. Obviously, Back to the Future is still our first and only to date perfect movie with 30, which is the number one movie for us. Sweet. Uh, socials, just quickly. Uh, obviously, we can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Audible. Uh, we're also on Twitter, at Cinematic Leap, and on Facebook, uh, just search Cinematic Leap. Uh, we do ask if you can like our page and follow us uh, on wherever you get your podcasts um, and rate us, hopefully highly, uh, as it does help others find us and obviously makes us feel all warm and fuzzy. Right. It's it's time for our model. Cinematic Leap. So... <clears throat> So we tossed up about how we're going to jump from season one to season two, and we've just decided we'll go back to our normal format of one person picks uh, the crew member, actor, whoever, uh, and then one person gets to choose the movie because I was the least or the furthest from picking his last movie. I get to choose the movie, and Glenn, you get to pick the leaper for the starting movie of season two. Yes, I do. Where? Where are we going, Glenn? I didn't. I didn't have to think about this too much. I'm just going to pick Edgar Wright because why, why wouldn't you? Mm, good point. Excellent. Wow. I'll have to have a look at what <laughs> young Edgar's done. Well, wow, he's done <clears throat> really like you know he's done a lot of comedy stuff. Um, it's mainly been in that vein, um, but lately, like his films have been kind of getting to some of the dramas, and I mean, I haven't seen. Um, the Soho one I forgot what it's called but you know that's kind of bordering into like it's a sci-fi horror possibly it's um, it's not really sci-fi it's just I don't I haven't seen it so I don't know um, but he's got some ripper films like you know he's done some very clever stuff it's interesting there's there's one that stands out to me straight away because uh, you like action movies correct <laughs> right which is usually where I will tend to go and I think it's that movie if I do choose it does give us a lot of options in terms of leaping uh, and that is Baby Driver mm. um, I've also there's also a movie there that I haven't seen 
which I've been circling for a while, Grindhouse, which is a Quentin Tarantino movie uh, and a Robert co-directed, yeah. I think, by I Robert think Rodriguez he, and Quentin Tarantino. I don't so, think you can choose that. Isn't that just like the trailer or something? that he Edgar Wright just did. Is he... He didn't... He's a director. No, he's a fake trailer segment. Yeah, he, he's, he's gonna, made a trailer. He's, yeah. In Letterboxd, he is down as the a director. In fact, so is Eli Roth and Rob Zombie, for that matter. Um, but look... Mm. <clears throat> Hey, I can, we oh, can only go off what's on Letterbox, But to avoid any arguments, we will go Baby Driver. Yeah. I think it's a good, enjoyable movie. Uh, it'll keep us entertained. It's a good heist movie, which we, we all enjoy the town. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting to back to that genre. So, Glenn, I don't just pick action movies. This is a heist movie. <laughs> um, yes, a heist film. So that's where we'll start season two, Baby Driver. Baby Driver, nice. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for listening over season one. We hope you all continue to listen to us through season two and wherever it goes from there. Um, yeah, thank you and farewell. Take the Chevy to the living. And like that, he's gone. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Leap.